Hi, everyone. You're listening to Who I Met Today, and I'm your host, Pam Lamp. I'm all about doing one tiny new thing every single day. And on this podcast, I invite you to come along with me and discover something new through conversations with people from all walks of life. I hope you enjoy listening to these interviews and exploring new territory with me. For more people stories and episodes, please visit my website, whoimettoday.com. My guest today is pickleball enthusiast and instructor, Aaron McHugh. Erin is also the author of more than 30 books, including Pickleball is Life. She's here today to discuss pickleball and all the reasons to love the game. Hey, Erin, how are you today? Good morning, Pamela. Hi. I will tell you that many of my guests and a lot of my friends play pickleball. I don't quite yet. I plan to take it up this winter. But I had been in the back of my mind searching for someone to talk to about the game. And... Lo and behold, I was driving in my car not long ago. I had NPR on, and there you were. And I thought, this is the woman I want to talk to. So I listened to the interview. I read your book, tracked you down. And lucky for me, you were kind enough to say yes. So thanks so much for being here. Thrilled to talk to you. And I love that you said you weren't playing yet, because to me, that's always the operative word about pickleball. Well, I'm looking forward to you giving listeners information that they need so they can decide whether or not they're going to grab a paddle and jump in. So why don't we start with you giving us all just a cocktail version of the game itself? Well, the game is pretty much almost everybody knows at this point. It was invented in 1965. So you like to think sort of long ago, but also sort of in our lifetimes on Bainbridge Island, Washington in a summertime by three dads who were trying to keep their kids occupied. They were living at a family compound where there was an old badminton court. And so they got the old net out and they put it up at one of the dads' waist height and got a few old ping pong paddles and tore the rubber off. And one of the boys had gotten a wiffle ball set, the ball and bat, for his birthday and hadn't used it yet. So they took the wiffle ball and started playing with those things. And as the day went on, they figured out how big they wanted the court. And they invented what is called the kitchen, which is a seven-foot part of the court on either side of the net, which you cannot step into to volley the ball. That is to say, spike it like you wouldn't volleyball. So it made it a little more palatable for the little kids to not be, you know, killed with the ball by the grown-ups as they were playing. And it became sort of a summer sensation with people on the island. And so as the years went on, everybody started to play it. And then all these people would go back to Seattle or their guests would go to the rest of parts of the country and bring it back and say, we've just learned this crazy game that our friends invented. And as time went on, you know, it seems like there was a long time where no one really knew so much about it. But by 1984, there was a national media piece about it, and there was a rule book and an association started. And then, you know, for the rest of us, maybe you started hearing about it at, as we delved into the 21st century by having your grandparents, or for me, that would be people my age, I'm 71, going to Arizona and Florida and Palm Springs and places like this where they were playing pickleball. As the century has moved on, 
it has become quite a sensation. And now there are millions of people playing. And as we know, courts popping up everywhere, indoors and out. Erin, you say you're 71. When did you start playing? About five years ago, Pam. Are you a former tennis player? I was a tennis player as a teen. And then I went to college and then I moved to New York, where it got way too expensive to play tennis indoors. And I just sort of dropped it. And I came home after 41 years, moved back to my hometown of South Dartmouth, Massachusetts. And I started to hear about pickleball from some friends and started playing with them. And I thought, this is for me. It was a way now to be, I'm now living out of the city and back in the country. And this was a sport I could pick up very easily and start to play all the time. But I want to make sure people know it's a combination of, I would say, wiffle ball, tennis, ping pong. But you don't have to have played tennis to play pickleball. And in some cases, I think I've taken a few lessons. In my case, my tennis background was a little bit of a disadvantage. Now, would you agree with that for those people who haven't played tennis and are thinking of taking it up, but are a little worried because they aren't tennis players? Well, a couple of things. First of all, it's a combination of badminton, ping pong, and tennis is, I think, what people would say. So it's got a little bit of everything. You play to 11 points like you would in badminton. I would say you hear both things, Pam. People say, it's helped my tennis game enormously. Or, you know, it takes me a few minutes if I played tennis that morning or the day before to get my brain to switch over. I think... One of the great things about pickleball is that as long as you've got some basic motor skills, you're probably going to be pretty good at it. But you don't have to be a great tennis player. Now, addictive is the word I keep hearing. When people talk about it, they talk about it with a smile on their face and they talk about it being addictive and fun. Why do you think that is? You know, it's really hard to say. I've talked a lot to... um, who I call the kids, but they're my age. The kids of the fathers who have invented it are very involved as being great stewards to the sport. I've talked a lot with them and I thought, these people are going to be the ones that tell me why we are so obsessed with this game. And Allison Bellwood had said to me, I think it's just because it's so easy to pick up. And in 20 minutes or so, you feel like, you've sort of got a hold on this game and you can get better at it. I always feel like you can eternally get better at pickleball and that keeps me going. You know, you don't have to pay a lot of money like you would maybe to play a round of golf somewhere. It doesn't take you four or five hours. You can go out and play for half an hour. So all those things make it so accessible. Now, Aaron, how would you recommend that people get started. I know a lot of us are always afraid to jump in. And besides reading your book, which by the way, is very quick and fast paced and fun to read, what should we do to begin? I would look around your town. You just, you know, everyone could just Google pickleball near me. And many places are building indoor courts or the outdoor courts often that that are run by the town. And, And often there's an association sometimes just to people who are interested and want to help everybody else out. It is a very inclusive sport. And I tend to be, and I'm not alone, Pam, 
a missionary for the sport. I want everybody to come along and have the same fun I'm having. So if I meet somebody and they say, I'd like to play, I say, I'll take you out. That gives people start a little bit. You know, some people may say, but you're too good for me. No, no, no. Don't worry about that. But you'll find if you start looking around your towns and or cities that there will be places where there's either beginner clinics or open play, as they call it. And oftentimes, again, if it's run by the city, it'll be a three-hour session during the day or evening that you can come to and play with a bunch of other people. Usually what happens is the beginners stay with the beginners, the intermediates stay with the intermediates. When the beginners feel like they've gotten a little better, they go and they join the intermediate group. And it's very friendly, although it can be competitive, but in a fun way, it's a very friendly crowd. People are bound to be very welcoming. So if you can take that first step, I feel, Pam, you're going to feel like you can come back. And the first step is, like with anything else, always the hardest. You just have to do it. What about equipment? I know you need a paddle. I know you need a ball and I know you need court shoes. Can you speak to those items? Yes. I think you're right about the court shoes. You know, please don't wear your Crocs. Please don't wear your basketball <laughs> shoes because you'll fall over and that'll be bad. And then you won't want to come back. Yeah, we have court shoes. If you wear shoes to play tennis, those shoes will be just fine. But that's really important. That's almost more important than anything else because, you know, you got to be ready to play and stay safe, of course. Paddles, you know, you can get a bunch of paddles on online and a set of them and a couple of balls, and they will be quite cheap. I would avoid getting a wooden paddle, for example. You can get a not-too-bad paddle for 60 to $100. And my advice always is to people, if you play once, maybe you borrow a paddle from somebody or you go to a club that has paddles for you to use as you play, if you feel like you are going to like this and play even once a week, put some money into a pretty good paddle. Because if you start with sort of a crummy paddle, you're going to want a better paddle right away. And a paddle can really help your game. Absolutely. So, you know, look around, go online, find something that's maybe $75, $100, and pop that money in and invest it. As to clothing, wear whatever makes you comfortable. It can be a kind of sloppy, sort of sport. People don't necessarily dress up like they're going to Wimbledon. <laughs> I've noticed that. It's not a fashion show. Erin, back to the paddle. Might you have a couple that after we record here, you could send the links to me and then I could put them in the show notes? I surely will. That would be great. Just so people don't have to search through all the um, myriad of options online. Exactly. That's what to do. Now, in your book, I'm quoting you, pickleball has made me a kinder, more inclusive person. Talk to me about that, please. Well, it's funny you say that because, Pam, people kept saying to me as I've been interviewed over this last year, well, you say pickleball is life. Why do you say that? And I think, well, but pickleball is life to me because I'm a nut. And, you know, I love pickleball. I like to play every day. Sometimes I play twice a day. Today, I'm playing three times a day. Oh, my word. No, that's pretty nutty. Well, I teach some little girls at a, a school nearby for financially challenged kids. And this is, again, it's a sport that doesn't cost much. This is something they can take with them. And they can play at a city park. And it's inclusive. And 
they can grow up in this sport and they can get better. And it's a great thing for them to know. But I started to think about, I think, pickleball's life. But really, I'm thinking to myself, it's really like, why isn't life more like pickleball? Pickleball is very inclusive. It's very kind, as I've said. It's inexpensive. You can always get better at it. It's easy to learn. And I think to myself, why isn't life like that? I should be more like pickleball. Now, did it help you? You said you moved, oh, remind me, five or six years ago to Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Did pickleball help you find friends? It absolutely did. I moved back to my hometown, so I have a big family. And they were all here, so I knew I'd be comfortable. But leaving New York, or a big city, is quite a change to move back to sort of the country. I found pickleball, and I made a hundred new friends that I didn't know that I needed. <laughs> you know, I played with very, many different groups, which I'm lucky to do. The thing about pickleball is you find these people that you maybe never would have met. They are not necessarily people in your social circle. Mm-hmm. Certainly not people that may be your age. I played with, as I said, the girls from fifth grade, and I played with a man who's 92. I play with a lot of people in their 40s, and I play with a lot of people in their 70s. It is a sport that not necessarily is divided up by age. Like, all the 30-year-olds don't play together. Do you know what I mean? I do. You can just as good as somebody who's 30. And, you know, you get a lot of kids, which is often pretty amusing, who will come in in their 20s and 30s, and they go out and play with their parents or their grandparents. And they are shocked, shocked to find that they come home defeated. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty funny. And another thing is, I don't find particularly that you are divided into gender. So, you know, I'll come home from playing, and I'll think, well, I just played seven games, and five of them were just me and three other men. There's a universality about it that is just very appealing. Well, one thing that I think your book did a great job of you did a great job of, was explaining the very quirky scoring system and the rules. And I said that I didn't think tennis players necessarily had an advantage because I've only taken a few clinics, but my impulse is to get up to the net and just volley that ball right back. And you can't do it like that. You had a good example for how to keep score. And I'd like you to share that with listeners. I think you're talking about there are three numbers you have to say when you say the score. And actually, technically, you're required to say it every time before you serve or you lose a point. But people are pretty, you know, laissez-faire about that. But everybody needs to keep the score in their heads, so it's good to do. You say three numbers. As I said, the score goes to 11 for a game. So I'm going to say three, which is the number of points I have. Two, which is the number of points you and your partner have. And I'm going to say one because I'm number one of two servers on my side. We're playing with four people now. So what I do a lot of times just to keep track is I point to myself, three. I point across you, two. I point back to myself or my partner, one or two. And that little both oral and visual aid help you keep track a little bit, I bet. Well, and it's a mental exercise in itself, I will say. I also laughed out loud at the portion of your book where you talked about saying I'm sorry 
and that that is forbidden. And I laughed because at the clinics I've taken, we've had some men, mostly women, but our inclination every time we miss a ball or don't get a ball that should be ours is to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We talked about starting a sorry jar where we have to put a quarter in it every time we say, I'm sorry. And then we'll all treat ourselves to cocktails at the end of the season or the end of the month or whatever. That's a get rich quick scheme, I think. It's a good idea. I feel like we are, and you're right, I think too, that women say, I'm sorry more than men. But I feel like we are in a society that goes around saying I'm sorry all the time. And believe me, we all know we don't always mean it. It's a quick response. It's a reflex. So when you're playing pickleball and you miss a ball or you, you know, hit your partner on the head or you forget the score or whatever it is, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So the sort of general rule, and it's pretty cute because you'll find that the majority of time you're playing with a new person, they start saying, I'm sorry. Any new person will find that somebody will say to them the first day they're out, there's no sorry in pickleball. Don't worry about it. You know, the next point is coming right up. Let it go. So we always say, because, you know, you find yourself still because it's sort of ingrained saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. And somebody will say to you, hey, there's no sorry in pickleball. And it takes some retraining. I'll say that. But it's a great relief. Erin, you also mentioned that we have to be watchful as we get older, that life doesn't get smaller. Can you elaborate on that? I get asked a lot to talk about pickleball and mental health and wellness. And again, as we spoke of, so many people still think, oh, this is for people in their 70s and 80s, where the average age of a player now is something like 36 and falling. But you will find that people, say, in their 40s or 50s, are, they're looking towards their parents and they'll say, you know, trying to sort of be careful about the conversation, but say something like, you know, mom, you used to play mahjong once a week. What happened to that? And their mother might say, oh, you know, Carol used to lead that group and she moved away and so it sort of fell apart. Uh-huh. Well, you used to go to the movies a lot. What happened there? Well, you know, COVID came. And after that, I sort of haven't started going again. So they're trying to look out for people my age. They want to make sure that their parents are involved, getting out there, being social, making new friends if they can. And on your end, if you were in your 60s, 70s, 80s, all those things that you we were just saying, like the Mahajan game, the movies, something else, walking every day, anything you used to do, you have to be so, so careful because behind your back, your life will get smaller incrementally if you're not very, very careful. And I think pickleball is a great way to keep involved, keep social, meet new people. Well, we're lucky that we're all getting older during a time when it's so wildly popular. <laughs> so true. So true. We're recording this in September, and you have a championship game in November. I do. Tell us about that, please. Well, last year, a friend of mine said, I just went in this. She's much younger than she's in her 40s or 30s. And she entered a pickleball open in New York City. It was the first year they had it. It was 2022. 
And she said, gee, I got clobbered. And I thought, well, maybe you didn't play in the right section, but I couldn't get it out of my head. It was at the Billie Jean King Center, where, as we all know from watching TV, that's where the U.S. Open is for tennis. Sure. And I lived in New York many years. And so, you know, we would take the number seven train out subway and go to the Open. So I couldn't get it out of my mind. I kept thinking, that sounds so cool. I had never entered a tournament of any kind in my life. So here I am, 70 years old, and I signed up. And I thought, I'm going to do it. I can crawl back to South Dartmouth, Massachusetts on my knees. I would do that if I could play on the outermost tennis court at the Billie Jean King Center for one day in my life. So I did it. I signed up. I went online. I found a partner. And we won a gold medal. That has given me the opportunity to go to the Nationals, the Pickleball Nationals, where there'll be, I think, 4,000 players in Dallas, Texas in November. And again, I think I'll probably get clobbered. But who wouldn't do this when you have the chance to do something so exciting and new? That's great. Well, good luck to you. I can't wait to hear how that comes out. And, you know, it's going to be a success regardless. I think so, too. You know, it'll be an event. And it's funny, Pam. People say, well, why did you do that? Why did you go? I don't really understand that question. Why wouldn't I do that? Mm -hmm. If I'm fit and I can get myself to the tournament and make a a few new friends and have such an exciting adventure with something new that I'm doing at my age, I'm all for it. I applaud you. Thank you. One quick question. I saw in social media that someone had been hit with a pickleball near their eye, and Mm -hmm. she was now a proponent of eye protection. Do you wear Mm -hmm. eye protection when you play? I wear glasses anyway, but if I didn't, I would absolutely wear, like, you know, goggles. That is really the only place it can really hurt to get hit. Mm -hmm. You know, the ball, as we've said, is is a wiffle ball. And there's a lot of hitting on people and aiming the ball at people. You try to aim it at the torso. You try not to aim it above their uh, your neck, but everyone's not perfect. So to wear goggles, and more and more people are doing that, Pam, you're right. Erin, I don't think I want to play with you if you aim it at me. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hurt, and it's a lot of fun. Listen, you know what, Pam? It won't be long before you be aiming it at somebody else. Okay, okay. We'll have to circle back in another year and see where I'm at. Karen, I feel like you've already described a new thing that you've done or discovered lately. But I always ask every guest to tell listeners what new thing they've done or discovered lately. So do you have anything besides the championship game? Something new that I've discovered besides that? You know, I have discovered that I love Nothing more than being a proponent and missionary of this game. It has made me realize how much I love going out to share something instead of, you know, staying at home alone. I'm a writer, so I spend a lot of time, you know, at home writing. I'm, I live alone, so it's easy, yet again, to get stuck in your own rut. But I have found that I enjoy this sort of position as, because they called me a pickleball evangelist on NPR. And I thought, that is exactly what I am. And it makes me 
really happy and proud to be able to go out and share something with people that can, I think, broaden their life. And, you know, it's very important to me that it's not expensive and make their life a little happier. You know, I don't think I was aware that I would have been that generous, let's say. Pickleball evangelist. I like that. You do. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for all this information. I really enjoyed talking to you. I look forward to hearing how you do in Dallas, and I will report back to listeners. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And that's it for today's show. Thanks so much to Aaron for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, I hope you'll listen to other episodes and spread the word about this new show. A huge thank you to Brian at Top Tier Audio for his advice and guidance. And thanks to you for tuning in. And remember, I'd love to hear from you if you discover a fun new thing. My email is pam at whoimettoday.com.